thinking while I was singing that it's interesting that that's a Christmas only song because that's just a fantastic opening song. Come let us adore him. Come let us worship God this morning. Um, the next song we're going to sing this, in, the, in the service this morning is about joy. And uh, I was teaching my kids about joy this week and I was explaining they were concerned because they were like, how are we going to love God more than we love you? Which is a valid question. And I said, just imagine that I'm the beam of light that you love. That's very beautiful when you see a beam, see a beam of light. But God is the sun. So he's the sun that gives you that beam of light. So everything that you love, if you stare directly into that beam of light, you can see God. So if it's your children, if it's your job, if it's sports, which was one of my children's concerns, how much they love sports, um, anything like that, you can look directly into that beam and see God and find so much joy. So as we're singing unspeakable joy this morning, I was thinking of just finding those things that God's given you that bring you so much joy, those beams of light, and just look directly into it and see God and just be so thankful to God for that thing that he's given you, that, that blessing that he's given you uh, this morning. So, and welcome to New Life.
During this season of Advent, we're reading the Psalms together. This Sunday is joy. Let us read together Psalm 126. Um, I'll be leading a portion of it, and the response will be up on the screen. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we're filled with joy. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as, though, as, as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. We continue our worship with bringing an offering to God today for World Renew. Our closest connection with World Renew is our partnership with a sister church in Lowry, Honduras. World Renew is our bridging agency with that community. More broadly, World Renew is a Christian relief and development ministry to many parts of the world. To get an idea of some of the work they do, take a look at their Christmas gift catalog available at the info booth. This Christmas, you might also use the catalog to support families around the world to achieve sustainable and healthy lives. During this next song that the worship team is going to lead us, we invite you to give your offering as an act of worship. You can give your offering in the collection boxes here at the front, next to the stage, or bring it electronically. The screen shows the different ways to do so. So let's pray together for the offering and the work of World Renew. Heavenly Father, we thank you for filling our hearts with unspeakable joy in this season of Advent. As we await the coming of Jesus Christ, we pray that you would continue to fill our hearts with joy. We thank you that you provide for us abundantly. And even when you don't provide for us abundantly, we thank you that you provide enough so that we can continue to give thanks. And we bring our offerings to you, Lord. We pray that you would use it for your kingdom. We pray also for the work of World Renew. We pray, that, we pray for this agency, and as they continue to participate in your work of renewing your world and your creation, we pray that our offerings would contribute and be able to participate in, the, in your work altogether. We pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, well, this morning we have the privilege of uh, celebrating God's grace for us uh, through baptism. And uh, we're going to baptize the children of the Rempel family. So I'm going to invite Jared and Amy and their four children up. And I just want to acknowledge how brave the Rempels are bringing four kids all the way up here, and uh, yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. See, when we do baptism, it's a testimony of God's love for us. It's, it's a way for us to picture that God's promises will always, God will always be faithful to his promises, and that one day God awaits for our children then to respond to his amazing love, his his constant faithfulness uh, with a testimony of their own. Uh, just a few months ago, we heard Amy's testimony and uh, in her profession of faith and responding to God's grace, and so we also pray uh, the same for the children. So, uh, Jared and Amy, as you present your children for baptism, you're claiming God's promises uh, on your children, and so we ask you to make promises of your own back to God. Uh, also in response to God's grace. Do you love and trust Jesus as the Savior and Master of your life? And do you promise to train up your children in the truth of God's Word so that they can know the way of salvation, teaching them by words and by example uh, to to pray and to follow Jesus? And will you pray for your children and raise them in a church community that represents the body of Christ in this world? so that they can learn to be citizens of Christ's kingdom. What's your answer? Yeah, awesome. All right. So this is uh, Jacob Edmund, right? All right, yes. Jacob's good Hebrew name. And uh, uh, in a moment, we're going to give you a, a family Bible. And you can read the story about Jacob in the Old Testament. Yeah, Jacob was uh, one of the followers of God. And so um, Jacob is a Hebrew name, and it means, uh, actually, it's not a very glamorous meaning. It means tag along. Um, (laughs) Well, because he was a twin, right? And he was the second. uh, And so, um, yeah, but, um, and then Edmund, uh, is much more uh, wonderful. It's, uh, it's an English name, and it means protector. So, uh, anyways, uh, Jacob and McKenna, uh, they're twins. Cool, huh? Um, so Jacob and McKenna and Katie, and uh, this goes for little Jonah as well, but he's probably not going to really understand. But what I wanted to tell you is that when... When um, you get baptized, right, I'm going to put some water on your forehead, okay? All right? And I'm going to put it in the sign of a cross. So it's going to be Father, and then Son, and then Holy Spirit. I'm going to do a circle for the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, it feels kind of funny to have water on your forehead, right? But, and so... You can kind of wipe it off. It doesn't really matter, but, right? But it's just, it's just something to remember that God is always 
always, always going to love you. Okay? All right? Deal? All right. All right. So for Jacob, I want, uh, I want to give you this verse from Psalm 46. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. He says, be still and know that I am God. Awesome. You ready, Jake? You ready, Jacob? Okay, here we go. All right. Jacob Edmund Rempel, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. You ready, McKenna? Yeah? All right. Hey, look at that. All right. Now, I've never had this before. McKenna, uh, I'm told by Mr. Google, um, is either, uh, you have your option, it's either Hawaiian or Swahili. You're going to go Hawaii. Okay. All right. It means the happy one. Do you always have a smile on your face? (laughs) There you go. <laughs> All right. And Lynn is uh, uh, Welsh, means lake. Uh, it's a pretty name, but I don't know what lake has to do with anything. Uh, so I'm going to leave you, McKenna, with a, a verse from Psalm 5. And it says this But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. All right. He said yes. McKenna Lynn Rempel, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son. Oh, my. And of the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) Hi, Katie. All right. So Katie's name means pure, and uh, her second name is Elizabeth, and it's a Hebrew name, and it means God is my oath. So, uh, Katie, I'm going to leave you with this verse from Philippians in the New Testament. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. And as I was reading that, I'm thinking, that's pretty heavy duty for you. Right? Are you ready to be baptized? Okay. Come over here. All right. May I look down? All right. Katie, Lynn Rempel, I baptize you. In the, oh, I'm sorry. Katie Elizabeth Rempel, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. And then, Jonah Elias. Jonah, of course, is, well, Jonah. 
uh, from uh, another bi- great Bible story. Uh, the name, I don't know why it means this, but it means dove. Uh, so maybe a sense of peace or whatever. Um, Elias means the Lord is my God. It's a Hebrew uh, word as well, name. And uh, so for Jonah, um, Exodus 15, verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. All right, Jonah. Jonah Elias Rempel, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As he sucks his thumb. All right. (laughs) All right, congregation, you've witnessed these baptisms, but it's not just something that's done to these uh, children. It's uh, something that we all participate in as we acknowledge God's grace. And so you also, as you receive the promises of God for your own life, you also are invited to make response uh, of promises to God. And so I ask you, do you promise to be that community of Christ that loves and prays for these little ones and a community that nurtures faith in Jesus for all of them? What is your answer? Yes, that's the kind of community we're in. All right, so uh, I'm going to invite friends and family. Come on up and uh, surround the Rempel family, and um, we're going to pray for them. Wonderful. All right, and then the rest of us can extend a hand of blessing upon them, and uh, let's pray together. Marvelous crowd of people. Yeah. Because living by faith is hard. That's what we've been talking about in this Advent season, and so uh, we surround each other and uh, build each other up, encouraging one another uh, to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Almighty God. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your faithfulness and for your amazing love. We praise you for your love that you've extended to the Rempel family. And we pray, Father, that you will bless each of these children, that you will uh, encourage them, draw them close to you, that you will always show them your love, and that um, one day uh, we can celebrate their response to you in uh, love for you. And so, Father, we pray that you will give Jared and Amy blessing and wisdom in raising their family, that you will encourage them, draw them close to you, and may they have the strength and the wisdom day by day to give honor and glory to you as they raise these children. Thank you for them. Thank you for Jared and Amy. Thank you for each of their children. God, you have been good. And we pray that you will continue to bless them and watch over them. God, we pray that your spirit will descend upon all of us as a community of Christ to draw one another closer to you. Help us, God, to teach faithfulness. Help us, God, to teach your love for us.
Help us, God, uh, to, to raise one another up so that we can be faithful followers of God, reflecting your own faithfulness to us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you very much. Good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. My name is Sean, and I will be, uh, I am your host this morning. A special welcome to guests in person or online. We're glad that you're worshiping with us. We would love to help you get you connected uh, into community. So if you're a guest, we invite you to fill out a Connect card. If you're here in person, the Connect card, you can find it in, in in the seat in front of you. And if you bring it to the info booth, we have a gift bag for you. If you're joining us online this morning, drop a comment sharing where you are and who you're watching with. During Christmas season, we have Christmas services. Let's worship the King together. Christmas is coming closer, and if you, your family, and your neighbor are thinking about how to celebrate Christmas this year, we invite you and encourage you to invite your neighbors to a Christmas Eve service here on Saturday, December 24th, at 4.30 p.m. Come see the Christmas story told with shadows and light, sing Christmas carols with candlelight, and hear about love personified in Jesus Christ. Then on Christmas Day, December 25th, Sunday, at 10 a.m., we'll come together to worship here in this space, the newborn king, and hear again the great Christmas message of hope and joy. We will have a message for the children as well in the service as we celebrate together and experience God's love this Christmas season. Now, Christmas is a time of giving, and we wish to highlight your giving, highlight uh, some of giving opportunities here at New Life and its mission partners and its missionaries. Ministries are in full swing here at New Life Church, and to sustain these ministries, we invite you to give as a way of sharing in the ministries here. We're so grateful for your faithful support and generosity. This year, we have also published a missions giving guide to share in the ministry of our, of our New Life mission partners and missionaries. The, give, the giving guide is available on the New Life website. Visit newlifecrc.ca slash giveguide for a list of partners and missionaries and for suggestions on how you can participate in the work that God is doing through these organizations and people. We have a seniors fellowship here at the church. After the service, you're invited for soup, buns, dessert, and fellowship, and fun and singing. Anyone is invited to join, especially if you're over 60 years of age. We will be meeting upstairs in room 303. Just take the east hallway, just go around, and you'll see an elevator. You can take the elevator upstairs, or you can go through the stairs. New Life Kids Service, during Christmas season are special, and we'd like to include children in the Christmas services. So we want to give, mainly because we want to give children's ministry volunteers break during the holidays and allow them to participate also in the worship services. So on Sunday, so starting next Sunday, December 18th, 25th, 
and January 1st, there will be no kids church or little lights, but the nursery for children ages zero to two will continue. In the worship services of these Sundays, children can participate by waving flags during worship songs, and during the sermon, they can obtain activity sheets uh, from the treasure box that will be at the front. There will be other surprises as well for them at these services. All children, including nursery-age children, are invited to be in the Christmas Eve service held on Saturday, December 24th at 4.30 p.m. Parents who who attend with little ones can use the library space if they need to take children out of the auditorium. Toys and activities will be available for them in that space. Volunteer care will be limited if, if available, so please stay with your children while you're there. That's it for all the announcements, and we will now enter into a time of fellowship. Each Sunday, we have a fellowship time here, and this service, this part of the service serves two purposes. First, it's time for you to meet someone new and extend to them the peace of Christ. Secondly, it's time for parents to bring their children to Sunday school without missing any part of the service. So all children aged three to five years old will go, through, go to Little Lights, and kids in grades one to five will go to Kids Church using the door on my right to go downstairs. We're now going to start our three-minute fellowship time. Be sure to say hello to someone you haven't met. And if you don't know what to talk about, ask them, what are your thoughts on candy cane ice cream? Thanks for having me. Have a great Sunday.
All right. Well, if you would take a seat. Yes. Well, I'd like to begin uh, this morning um, as we anticipate hearing from God's Word. I want to, um, want to begin with prayer. We've got, uh, well, the continuing concern for uh, especially those involved in the poultry industry, the uh, avian flu and so on. Um, Christmas is getting close as well. And, uh, for some of us, that's going to be a difficult time. Uh, this year, and so I want to lift up that concern as well. Um, Len Grudhoff uh, had a heart attack uh, earlier this week, and uh, so we want to lift him up in prayer too. And uh, he remains in the hospital, and uh, but is doing well. And uh, so I want to uh, pray for God's healing hand upon him. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, you are a good God. That's why we come to you, trusting that you will always be by our side, you will provide for us, you will show us your favor, your mercy, and God, we pray that uh, in all of the deeds and activities of this past week, God, that there have been times in which we have failed you, and so we come together also um, bringing you all of the brokenness and all of the sin of our lives and pray for your forgiveness, your mercy, and your love. Restore us, God, to you. Father, in this uh, Christmas season, we uh, anticipate all kinds of uh, excitement and, uh, and uh, wonder. And yet, God, we're also aware that uh, for some of us, uh, this season is uh, a difficult time. And so we pray for your grace also in our lives to sustain us and uh, to, through it all, to see uh, the joy of uh, your loving uh, presence. Father, uh, in the midst of all of the concern uh, for our poultry farmers uh, with the avian flu, God, uh, we pray be gracious, uh, show us your mercy there as well, and we pray for uh, protection for uh, the farmers and uh, all of the concerns that they have, and um, God, may we continue to trust in you knowing that you are God over all. So we pray too for uh, Len Grudhoff, pray uh, for health and strength for him, God, Bless the work of uh, doctors and medical staff as uh, they correct uh, problems with his heart. And uh, we pray, uh, God, that um, you will sustain Len and that you will uh, bless him with your presence as well. God, we look to you for all things. And uh, we pray 
that um, you will be our, uh, our God, that, that you will be our protector, that you will be our provider, that you will be our salvation. And in this uh, Christmas season, as we await uh, the coming of the Christ child to save us, we also, God, await the coming of Jesus again to restore all things. And with that excitement, God, we look to you. With that excitement and anticipation, God, we hear your word. Teach us to be faithful. Teach us to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we've been uh, concentrating on the idea of living with a promise in this uh, series called Promises, Promises. The promise of God to send his salvation. And for years, for centuries even, God has been making that promise. And Christmas time is that time in which we uh, celebrate God's faithfulness in fulfilling that promise. The curious thing about Christian faith, though, is that nevertheless, God's promise continues to be extended so that we also are that kind of waiting people just like the people of old, waiting on God's promises. And sometimes that waiting becomes um, difficult. Uh, Sometimes it feels like it's unending. Sometimes that waiting feels absolutely empty. And so on this Sunday of Advent, which is traditionally known as the Sunday of joy, we want to find joy in the promises that God gives us in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of our frustration with the waiting, especially as we live in a culture that is so full of instant this and instant that. We don't want to wait. It becomes so difficult for us. Margaret was all ready for her date. She was wearing her best outfit. It was, it was beautiful. It was stunning on her. Her hair, her hair came out that evening just, just exactly the way she loved it. And her makeup that night was perfect. Imagine her disappointment when her date didn't show up that night. Everything was just, just beautiful. She was so impressed with herself, and he didn't show up. After an hour of waiting, Margaret decided, I guess he's not coming. So she changed into her pajamas. She washed off her makeup. She gathered up a bunch of junk food, parked herself in front of the television, and laid there for the rest of the evening to watch her favorite show. As soon as she got involved in that show... There was a knock on the door. She opened it to find her handsome date standing at the doorstep. He stared at her in shock and then said, What? I'm two hours late and you're still not ready? (laughs) Waiting. It's just an absolutely frustrating affair. And imagine the Israelites. They had been waiting for years, years and years for a savior, for a deliverer. That was God's promise. I'll send a deliverer. I'm going to be your salvation. 
And yet, the nation of God's people, though for a short time it had risen to great heights of glory and respect throughout the world, it had now disintegrated into a small remnant of those still expecting someone to come and save them. Waiting didn't seem to have really much point anymore. The promise was made so long ago and the people couldn't remember the signs of the Messiah's coming. Waiting for them meant waiting for nothing. There was nothing in it. Which is why Mark then begins his gospel the way he does. We're so used to uh, Luke's gospel at Christmas time because he goes into all of the historical detail of, of Jesus being born, and we love that story, and we ought to. And so Mark leaves us kind of, what, what's, what, what are you doing, Mark? Listen, this is how Mark begins his gospel. First eight verses of uh, Mark chapter 1 which uh, the gospel is a story of Jesus. But Mark puts it this way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, which for us perhaps just sounds like Biblical language, it's just like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be in the Bible. But for, for the original audience, those words would have conjured up the coming of a king. Somebody mighty, somebody strong and mighty, somebody, well, who could save the people. Right? Prepare the way of the Lord. It's kind of like, prepare the way for the king. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. And he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. That would have been for the people of Israel an image of, oh, we remember a guy like that, the great prophet Elijah, one of the greatest prophets Prophets, uh, basically, a prophet is the proclaimer of God's promises. So that was the image that John uh, wore. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist's people needed to hear that cry, prepare the way of the Lord and repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. They needed to hear that message in the midst of their waiting that seemed so fruitless, so meaningless, so empty of any kind of joy. But not only then, we too, need to hear that message. Our waiting for the return of Christ begins to look rather, well, joyless, if not just limp and tattered like that of the scattered Israelites. On one level, 
we may have already stopped waiting for Christmas, overwhelmed with all of the plans, all of the busyness. We're like, well, you know what, I'll wait for next year, I guess. And then December 25 will come and go, and we'll have missed the holiness and the sacredness of the celebration of Christmas. On another level, every day of the year is Advent for Christians as we await Christ's coming again. Waiting for Christ at Christmas reminds us that we're always waiting on God because he promised to come again to make all things new. And we would love that. But in our minds, it is just taking too long. Especially when we're in the midst of trouble or in the midst of uh, violence or in the midst of confusion or in the midst of disease. Here too, it begins to feel like we're waiting for nothing. Start feeling a little silly even, perhaps, thinking that Christ will return. It's been long, so much longer than any of us would expect. Mutel is uh, the town cripple in a Jewish community. His name was Mutel. And uh, being a cripple, uh, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't survive on his own. But the town started thinking, you know, he can't just mooch off of us constantly. We, we need to give him a purpose, a meaning in life. We need to, to give him some sense of satisfaction that he can earn his own way. So they went to Mutel, the town elders went to Mutel and they said, Mutel, we want you to stand on the hillside just out of town and we'll pay you $2 a day and just sit on the hill outside our village every day from dawn to sunset and then you'll be our watchman for the approach of the Messiah, the Savior. (coughs) And when you see him, they said, then run down the hill as fast as you can and just declare the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. Well, a year went by. Mutel did his job faithfully, day by day. And then finally a a traveler came by, approaching the village, noticed the figure sitting on a hill, and so he approached Mutel. He said, Shalom, peace be with you. What are you doing here? He called out to Mutel. Oh, said Mutel, I'm waiting for the Messiah. It's my job. The traveler suppressed a smile. (coughs) He said, (coughs) excuse me, confidentially, How do you like this job? Oh, shh, Motel said. Frankly, it doesn't pay much, but I think it's steady work. (laughs) Steady work. That's what waiting is. Steady work. And our expectation for Christ's return also becomes lame because our waiting has become routine part of the job of being a Christian. 
the job. And that's how we begin to view it. And then anticipating Christ's return again dries up into mere words. We've come to expect nothing more than, well, our daily existence, just to see what we can get by with. Besides, we hate waiting. We hate lineups. We hate crowds that are in the way of what we're after. We've got to be getting ahead. We've got to be achieving. We've got to be accomplishing. We've got to get things done. But the joy of Christmas isn't found there. It's not found in our hurried pace. It's not found in our accomplishments. The joy of Christmas is found in John the Baptist's message. John the Baptist is the one who awakens us to begin waiting all over again. His message reminds us that waiting doesn't mean doing nothing. He invites us to meet him, to meet John, in the desert. Yes, in the desert of our lives, in the wilderness of our lives. He invites us to meet him there, like the Israelites of old, when they were free from Egypt's slavery. And they wandered into the wilderness for 40 years. Why did God lead them in the wilderness? Well, because he was leading them into the joy of God's presence. And there they learned to depend on God. Yes, wilderness, and you know this, when you're in the wilderness of your life, that can lead to desperateness. But it can also lead us to learn to wait on God. Maybe it means denying ourselves some of the things that we've come to expect in life, to say, I just won't find joy there. Maybe it means a time of life when your spirit is dry and your soul is weak and all you can do is hold out your hand to God. There's nothing laid back about waiting In the desert is where we learn to wait, and it's where we find the salvation of our God. Apart from anything that we can do, apart from anything that that we can figure out, waiting can be hard work. And John the Baptist teaches us to engage in that hard work of waiting. Yes, even in the wilderness. Because that's where we find the joy of God's salvation, not our own. It's easy to slide into our own salvation, to say, I've got it all figured out, to say that I've got it made, to say, I've done great things, to say, I've deserved it. But in the desert of our lives, we find the joy of God's salvation. John the Baptist also teaches us with his message of repentance. Repentance? What does that have to do with joy? Well, we're waiting for a savior. We're waiting for someone who can save us because we cannot save ourselves. And that means that Christmas isn't just a cozy time of year filled with nostalgia and good cheer. A Christmas card I saw the other day said something about 
Christmas time being filled with love, warmth, and prevailing optimism. What an empty view of Christmas. If that's the best we can grab for. Because in fact, the Christmas story is filled with all kinds of scandal, all kinds of twists and turns that in fact don't make sense and don't lead to prevailing optimism. Mary had to hide out with Elizabeth, trying to protect herself, trying to hide the shame of being pregnant out of wedlock, something which was punishable by death, by the way, in those days. Jesus' birth doesn't seem to threaten any king's rule, and yet Herod, Matthew tells us, slaughters a host of babies in search of him. Christmas. The Christmas story is about God's big risk of sending his own son into the world. What? To save us. Because he knew there was no other way. We could not save ourselves. We couldn't get ahead. We're not just waiting for God to join our Christmas celebrations as though God's pleased simply with our best intents and intentions and best efforts. No, we're waiting for God to save us. And that, that's a major disruption in the ways of the world. But that is where we find our joy in God's salvation. That's John the Baptist's message. A message of repentance. Because repentance, and even living through the desert of our lives, leads to joy. And we need to proclaim that message. We need to be able to tell that message to other people, to other people who are just wandering around aimlessly, themselves perhaps in a wilderness, clamoring for peace and for goodwill. And it doesn't fit to just say, well, let's just hope for the best. No, because with John the Baptist, we learn to wait again by walking with him in the wilderness, by hearing his message of repentance. And then we learn to wait as we hold forth that promise of one greater to come like John the Baptist and hold it forth to one another. See, John the Baptist is the culmination of all of the Old Testament prophets. That's why the image of, of John the Baptist uh, eating locusts and honey is what, it's what Elijah uh, did. He wore a, a coat of, of uh, camel's hide. John the Baptist is, is a summary of all of what the prophets have, have uh, messaged of God's promises. The prophets were the ones who kept that promise of God in front of the people, and so that's what John the Baptist does as a reflection of our own calling, your calling, my calling, to hold forth that message, to pass along that promise in the midst of our waiting, to encourage people not to give up, 
on the waiting. We're the ones who must keep presenting the promise of God to the world to keep reminding them of God's love, his mercy, his salvation. That is where joy will be found. We're pointing to the one who is greater than we are, whose sandals we're unfit to untie. That's a position of waiting. We can't do anything. It's all God. Which means not that we're not doing anything, but... That in our activities, in our work, in our daily lives, in, in your daily life, in your celebrations, in your work, in your play, we're pointing to the Messiah. Everything we do ought to reflect that sense that we are waiting on God, the Savior of the world. So often the message gets fumbled and mishandled and we end up communicating the very opposite. This one particular Christmas was a hectic day. A little girl was so excited she could hardly contain herself. Her father was worried with bundles and burdens. Mom's nerves reached the breaking point more than once she tried to make sure everything was just so. Everything was cooked properly. Everything was wrapped neatly. Everything was cleaned. Everything was set. Family's situation was just helter-skelter. And the little girl seemed to be in the way no matter where she went. Finally, she was just hustled off to bed. And as she knelt to say her bedtime prayers... The excitement and all the confusion of the day mixed her up a bit, and as usual, she ended her prayers with the Lord's Prayer. Only this time, she was heard to say, and forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. Indeed, sometimes our Christmases can block the very message of joy that we intend. Let's be John the Baptist. Even in the wilderness of our lives, even in the midst of our own sin and brokenness, as we come to God in repentance, let's enter into joy and invite others into that joy as well to hear the message. Prepare the way for the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. It's being fulfilled. The Savior is coming. God is faithful. That's that's the message we want to proclaim. To remember the Christ child and celebrate in the festivity of joy. Real joy, authentic joy that only can come from the God who rules over all, waiting for Christmas, for our Savior to enter into our lives and for the Lord to come again. It means being ready. John the Baptist teaches us how to wait for true joy, the true joy of Christmas to enter our lives. Let's pray together.
God, we so easily identify joy with excitement and thrills of uh, various experiences in our own lives. And we make it about our own happiness. And yet, then the longing of our hearts remains unfed. So, Father, we surrender ourselves to you in this moment as the God of our salvation. And once again, we submit to you. We submit to you, God, with our waiting. We submit to you, God, with our repentance. We submit to you, God, with all of our longing for joy, knowing that you are our joy. And so, God, we pray that in this Christmas season, with services coming up and times to gather together as a congregation, times to gather as families, times to gather in work parties, God, may all of our celebrations seek the joy that comes only from God our Savior. Help us to rejoice that the Savior has come, that Jesus has entered our lives, that you have already restored us to our Creator. And may that joy, God, sustain us in the difficult times, in the confusing times. May it sustain us, God, in all of our frustrations and in all of our impatience. And may it, God, cause us to proclaim that message of joy to the people around us. May they see in us the joy of your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Walked across the pages of time. He who 
your waiting, in your hoping for joy, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you now and always.